I'm Logan Crawford, and right now on Spotlight, we're speaking with Dr. Victoria Mondlach. She is an OBGYN and a wellness physician. She is also a passionate advocate for women's health and a trusted voice in the journey of womanhood. Through her insightful book, Blossoming, Becoming a Woman, Discovering the Secrets to Balancing Your Hormones and Your Life, she provides valuable tools for understanding hormonal changes, maintaining wellness, and navigating life's pressures. We're delighted to have the doctor join us here today on Spotlight. We thank the folks at Great Writers Media for helping us put her in the spotlight today. And we ask viewers like you to support writers like her by subscribing to our channel. Doctor, good to see you today. Thank you very much. Wonderful to be here. Wonderful to have you. We were talking before the interview started that there are no instruction manuals that are issued at birth, as far as we know, unless my folks threw mine out, I don't know. But uh, it's nice to have this as a guide for a young woman with so many changes happening in her body. She, it can be an overwhelming experience, I'd imagine, correct? Well, overwhelming for the teenager, overwhelming for the mom and the parents, because we assume that our daughters are simply mini versions of us, but they haven't gone through as many quote unquote years of having their womanhood, their cycles, their periods, um, as their moms have. And so many times what happens is that the 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 daughter may go through and, and go into a just a really terrible time with hard cramps or mm -hmm. heavy bleeding. And they check with their mom, what can I do? Well, mom is busy with her job running the family, uh, trying to actually just keep her head above water, but she's going to advocate for her daughter. So there's two scenarios that usually happen. Number one is the mom drops everything, makes the appointment with the pediatrician, because of course it's an adolescent. So the pediatrician sees them and a pediatrician office is set up for well child checks. So right. six rooms may be running and everybody's getting immunizations and weighed and measured. And all of a sudden there's the teenage daughter and her mom going, I've got bad cramps. <laughs> what what the right. pediatrician doesn't know what to do with that so right. he goes uh um well we'll send you to the gynecologist and i'll put you on birth control pills in the meantime hmm. well that isn't a what the mom or the daughter may have been looking for and right. b she just got dismissed right she literally got told you're not important to me. And so I don't have time for you. This is what I'm going to do. Get out of my office. Right. And it might have taken her weeks to get her courage screwed up to be able yeah. to say what she was going to say to the doctor. And now she's dismissed. So what's the message? Your health isn't important to me. Right. And it and isn't spoken, but it's unspoken. And well, Pediatricians' offices in general are overwhelmed. You have babies there, you have sick kids there, you have, you know, uh, a myriad of children there. And when a young woman is becoming a young woman, she's no longer a child. And I guess what you're telling us is it's time to leave that pediatrician and get with an OBGYN, right? Right. But most OBGYNs are looking for surgery or they're looking for you to have a baby. 
or they're looking to put a device in you like a long acting contraceptive device and uh, that may not be what the mom and daughter are looking for so in other words what is the expectation of the patient what is the expectation of the patient's parent because in this case you know you need to include what the parents wishes are as well but is that the same or is that different from the expectation of the medical doctor Hmm. in other words what doctor wakes up in the morning and goes wow i wonder how many surgeries and procedures i'm going to be able to do today in the office a lot but is that what the patient wakes up with i'm going to the doctor today I really hope they don't say I need surgery or I have. So it's a disconnect. It's a total disconnect. And many times if a doctor says to the adolescent, I'm going to put this IUD in you, or I'm going to put you on birth control pills. What is the mom's position? Right. Relative to her adolescent daughter is, she going to advocate? Is she able to advocate? Is she silenced from advocating for her daughter? Or does the mom, is she able to advocate? Is she heard? Is the mother dismissed? In other words, we're sometimes pitting the mother against the adolescent daughter right? because of that trip to the doctor's office. So what if they had a resource? What if they could actually mm-hmm. use a resource that would give them information, answers to their questions before they ever went to the doctor's office. So they were A, prepared, B, knew in that 10-minute time frame what they needed to ask the doctor. They knew that what blood test they wanted to ask for, and all the doctor had to do was sign off on it or say yes, no, whatever, but give the daughter and the mom a a resource, a guide, a fighting chance to walk into that doctor's office and say what they're looking for. Gotcha. So this is a great book for a mom and daughter to review together uh, when they're having those discussions about puberty and the changes that a young girl is going through. Is that what you're saying? This is is that together the the or, separately, or separately and then they can still talk about it because what the mom will get out of it is her perspective what the teenage daughter will get out of it is her perspective right but why hit the mom and the daughter against each other why right. not let them be advocates for that daughter and right. now you've got instead of dr google who's guiding what this teenager right. is going to for healthcare, now you've got the advocate of your mom right there. Right. And now your mom is not just your hero, but your advocate and your best friend and confidant. Instead of the clash that so many times we call our daughters a drama queen and tell her to right. go to her room. Well, that isn't helping anything. Exactly. So, Exactly. And as my kids said, you know, sex education at school doesn't help because all you learn is that sex is going to kill you, give you a disease or make you pregnant. They said basically that's all they heard. And very little really about being pregnant was just it was going to kill you or give you a disease. So, of course, it can. But Mm. uh, there's a lot more to it than that. And I think that's what's great about your book. Now, you've got another book 
for older women. It's called full bloom, correct? Correct. And Tell full us about bloom that. is the perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal, and beyond book. In other words, the adolescent is the first forgotten female. Mm -hmm. The perimenopausal, menopausal woman is the second forgotten female because unless you are, quote, making money for mm -hmm. that doctor that you're going to, you're needing a hysterectomy, you've got mammograms, you're having babies, you need a DNC because of heavy bleeding, oh, you've got cramping, let's do a laparoscopy to make sure you don't have endometriosis that I can ablate for you. Unless you are generating monetary for that doctor and that hospital system, most docs don't want to see you anymore after you hit menopause. And what do they tell you when you walk in with doc? I can't sleep. I've got cramps. My GERD is so bad. I'm losing my hair. I, I, I'm moody. My husband is ready to, to divorce me. Um, those, those kinds of, of complaints are chalked up to, well, that's just menopause. And you're just going to have to tough through it. You'll slog through it and get over to the other side and life will be grand. Well, nobody decides to check hormone levels because they'll falsely tell you that if I give you hormone, I'm going to be giving you an increased risk of breast cancer and nothing could be further from the truth. Hmm. So realize, and, and most women know that when you hit menopause, you're actually in danger of being demoted at your job. Because one of the other symptoms that a lot of women will come in with is, doc, I can't remember this thing. My, my short-term memory is gone. I can't concentrate. I'll read the same paragraph and I lose it. In, and I have to read it over and over and over again. And then that on top of poor sleep and I get to work and I'm falling asleep at my desk Somebody walks by, I'm in a meeting, I can't remember my customer's name. And suddenly this 25-year-old newbie, I'm training her for my job because my boss thinks I can't cut it anymore. Yeah. And that there's nothing further from the truth. These women are simply hormonally challenged because what nobody tells you is that Estradiol, one of the female hormones, is responsible for blood supply per square inch to tissues that have estradiol receptors, which mm. just begs the question, what tissues in your body have estradiol receptors? Every mm. single tissue in your body, okay. from your brain to your muscle, to your joints, everything. Mm. So it that lack of hormone changes how every part of your body works, including your brain. Yeah, It's fascinating, yet nobody will allow you to get your hormone levels checked and replace your hormone because they mistakenly go by old research that tells us that the premarin and prempro of horses and synthetic test tubes, that that hormone is going to give you breast cancer, heart attack, and strokes. But that isn't what 
we are talking about. We're talking about human-based, bioidentical hormone, not pharmaceutical hormone, not horse-based hormone. A, we are not horses. And B, if we can put bioidentical hormone, human-based hormone back into us, why was it so good and important for us from puberty to menopause and then it's suddenly bad for us from menopause on? Right. Does that even make sense if you think about it? It's been a knee-jerk reaction. If I hear hormone replacement therapy, I think cancer. You know, um, whether it's for males or whether it's for female. Um, and uh, so it's very enlightening what you're telling us here today, that there is bioidentical hormone replacement therapy that can be very, very helpful to women when they're dealing with these issues of menopause. Right. And realize that if it's the bioidentical hormone that is put back in, yes, of course, you have to balance what female male hormone is in women. You have to balance their progesterone with their estradiol to keep them from being estrogen dominant. That's a bad thing. You have to balance. So you have to check levels. But imagine that the real research shows that if you're on human-based bioidentical hormone, you have decreased risk of heart attack, decreased risk of stroke. You actually have no increase in breast cancer whatsoever. The exact opposite of what the older women's health initiative showed on horse-based and synthetic hormone. It's fascinating because obviously women want to be as healthy as they can. And the men in their lives want them to be as healthy as they can. And uh, for a lot of years, we've been told or thought that uh, hormone replacement therapy was basically a vanity kind of thing. And it really wasn't doing anything therapeutic for you. You say just the opposite and you make a uh, a very compelling case. And it's very, it's very, very interesting. And I'd imagine this is one of the many things that you cover in your book, Full Bloom. Yes. And not only do I go through the science behind it, I go through the progression of the scientific evidence for it. I go through the symptoms worksheet that women and men will fill out, and it covers every organ system, including the insomnia and muscle aches and pains, the short-term memory, all the things I mentioned before. Those are all hormone deprivation symptoms. But in guys, remember too that low T isn't just that you fall out of the normal range, right. but it, that is your testosterone level age appropriate for you or mm. not. You may have it in range, but you may be a gentleman who's in his 50s, but he's got a testosterone level that measures as if he's 80. Mm. Is that what you want? Right. I don't think so. Yeah. So it's not about are you in normal range? It's are you age appropriate? And it's the same with women. And then when you get menopausal with women, it's where are you to protect you from osteoporosis? Where are you to protect you from all of those other symptoms and to be preventive for breast cancer, heart attack? And stroke. That's the real goal. 
Well, these books are sort of like the conversation you could never have with your doctor because the doctor doesn't allot you more than 10 minutes. So I think they're very, very valuable tools. And you have touched upon men and you are going to be writing a book for men as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Is Are you in the works? Have you put, in a, put together an outline? Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the outline is made. Um, it's just a, a matter of getting together with my writer and getting it down on paper and getting it out there. But my intent is to be able to have the four book series where we've got the three for women, the adolescent, the 20 to 40 year old book that will discuss all of the pitfalls that can happen to women in their reproductive years, right. which are things like endometriosis and fibroid uterus and infertility. And polycystic ovary disease, goodness, most people, their doctors won't even talk about it because they don't have enough time. You're absolutely right. right. So that second book for the 20 to 40 year old needs to be written. Then the menopausal book, Full Bloom, is written, but then the men's book. So I've got that middle female book and then the men's book. So they'll be coming out within the next year. So it'll be that whole series of four which will be the quote-unquote resource for men and women. Wonderful, wonderful. Important tools for sure. You touched upon something that I thought was interesting, was going to the doctor and the doctor in the front of his mind or the back of his mind, all he or she wants to do is run tests or do procedures because that's where the money is. That's where the coding is done. That's where the you know billable hours are and so forth. What's your advice to someone who is looking for a practitioner who is not looking to, you know, run up the bill as much as possible, but rather suit the needs of the individual. If you find a doctor that when you're calling them to find out, is this a doctor that's going to fit for me, mm -hmm. then ask if they will check your hormone levels. If they say no, move on mm -hmm. because they are not open-minded enough to even think that way. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, my husband, I went along to one of his appointments to meet his new doctor, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And he has some minor issues, some blood pressure, a little bit of thyroid issue, but he's on testosterone, okay? Mm -hmm. And so the doc starts asking his medication list and he mentions testosterone and the doc stiffens and looks at him and says, well, you know, I wasn't trained in doing that. So I won't be doing that hmm. for you. And I turned and looked at the doc and he knew I was there. He knew I'm a, he knows I'm a physician. Right. And I said, are you telling me that you are unwilling or unable to write testosterone for my husband? And he just looked at me and he said, I won't. And I will never because I'm not trained in that. Hmm. And it is not appropriate. And I thought, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a mindset that is taught in medical school. And most MDs are actually taught that mindset because hormone is not taught mm. in medical school. And people think endocrinologists will do this for them, but it isn't taught in a traditional medical school. A DO, an osteopathic school, there are some that will teach it and some that won't. Mm. So you have to actually do your homework to find an alternative doc and enlightened medical doctors who actually have 
quote unquote, taught themselves how to do this because the Women's Health Initiative has literally poisoned the medical schools in this country that all hormone causes breast cancer. And the European doctors just laugh at us because Mm. they are taught hormone replacement and the benefits of hormone, male and female. And they don't use the hormone that Women's Health Initiative studied, which was the Premarin, pregnant mare's urine, Mm -hmm. or the Prem Pro, which is Premarin, plus a synthetic medroxyprogesterone acetate. Notice synthetic and horse-based, neither one has anything to do with a human. You won't find that in a human body. Yet that's what the gold standard was that was studied in American literature and research. In Europe, guess what they studied? Estradiol, the human-based, and progesterone, the human-based. So they found the exact opposite results of what American research found. Fascinating. The um, question I have for you is, if a woman is postmenopausal, perhaps for many years, is hormone replacement therapy still perhaps beneficial? Well, and let me tell you about an 87-year-old patient of mine who Hmm. actually is, this is her story. She calls now six months in Wisconsin, six months in Florida, because Hmm. Snowbird is pretty popular when you live in a cold state, Wisconsin (laughs) for the winter. So she calls me in February and she goes, Doc, I got to tell you, um, a, I need a refill on my, on my blood work. You know, can you send my, my lab slip and I'll get it done, but I, I need my, my hormone replaced, uh, and refilled. She goes, but I have to tell you that my riding lawnmower fell on me. I was mm. on a hill and the hill got too steep and it rolled over on me. Now mm. you would think an 87 year old woman on a riding lawnmower that it rolls over on her. She's probably broken a leg, a hip, whatever. She said, well, I pushed that thing off of me and I got back up, rewrited it and finished cutting the grass. I said, are you okay? She goes, oh yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) Now, by every right, she is the prime candidate for osteoporosis and a fracture of not only vertebra in her back, but also hip and whatever. She walks five miles a day. She's about four foot 11 at her fighting height. And- Mm -hmm she still cuts her own grass on her own riding lawnmower. So osteoporosis prevention, the ability to have the quality of life that she wants. And she sees her cardiologist for you know some leaky valves and the cardiologist will send his report and say, well, I don't know how she's doing it, but her ejection fraction and all of her cardiac functions besides leaky valves, they're that of a 40 year old heart. Wow. What does that tell you? Yeah. So do you feel like, I, you know, fountain of youth is too strong, but did you feel like in some ways maintaining optimal health is dependent on making sure that your, your hormone um, blood work is where it should be? Yes. And I will say, I say this to every single one of my patients is I will keep you forever age 45. So whether you walk in 50, whether you walk in 60, whether you walk in 70, whether you walk in 80, 
I'll give you one more example. And same with guys. I will have you feel forever age 45. Okay. So here's one more example. Um, patient who at 81 went and got her mammogram. And I get the notice from the hospital that they want to proceed with a repeat mammogram with ultrasound with biopsy. And they say it just that way, because of course, they're not going to call you after each one because that's too inefficient. So they just say, well, we're going to do the repeat, the ultrasound and the biopsy. We're just going to go to all three. And I wrote back, no. And I faxed it back to the hospital. They send it back the next day. And I wrote no in magic marker because mm. I don't want them to just automatically do the progression. I need to right. be consulted. So right. I said no in magic marker. Well, the third day they sent it back, I took a big fat magic marker <laughs> and wrote no with three exclamation points after it. Well, right. then the radiologist calls and says, why won't you let us take care of your patient? I said, because you are seeing what you think is an 81-year-old woman, but your mammogram shows her to have 50-year-old breasts because she's on hormone. What? You have an 81-year-old on hormone? I said, yes, I do. And she feels 51 and she looks 51 and her breasts look 51 on a mammogram. Well, I need to do, I said, if you put her in a repeat mammogram situation and ultrasound and tell her you have to biopsy to rule out cancer. You are branding her with that C right on her forehead. And you see her for three minutes. I take care of her the rest of her life. You will not brand or scare my patient that she has cancer when she doesn't. I said, you can do her repeat mammogram you can do an ultrasound, but you will not proceed to biopsy unless you call me first and tell me what you see. And there was silence on the other end of the phone. And the radiologist finally said, wow, you really do care about your patient, don't you? And I said, shouldn't we all? Yeah. So they did what I, what I asked. They did the repeat mammogram. They did the ultrasound. Guess what? No need. Yeah. to proceed well no need to proceed because right. everything looked normal right interesting one of the questions i have and uh you know a lot of women find mammography painful um sonograms of the breast are i believe as accurate if not more so and less painful but it's hard for women to access this now Tell me where I'm right, where I'm wrong, uh, if you agree. Well, the, the gold standard is mammogram because it will look for macro and micro calcifications. And the micro calcifications are usually a bad sign. So that's what a density change in tissue will show on a mammogram. An ultrasound is really, really good. And if you think about um, a pregnancy, you can visualize a baby because it's in fluid. So an ultrasound is really, really good when you're looking for a cyst in a breast or cystic disease or a multi-cystic problem. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to pick up a micro calcification. It will pick up a cyst. So you're looking at two different things. What a third, right, what a third option is, is called a thermogram. And a thermogram is looking at a heat signature. 
And tissue that is growing more rapidly needs more blood supply to feed it, which is usually a precancerous or a cancerous lesion. So an increased heat signature on a thermogram can be another way of looking at a breast tissue without being compressive, but there isn't as much research on thermography. Therefore, insurance companies will not pay for it. So. Which, which is always the caveat. The insurance company won't pay for it. There's great right. blood thinners out there, but the insurance company won't pay for it or make you jump through hoops or whatever the procedure is that's better for you. Before we leave you today, we're running out of time. Let me ask you if you think it's a good idea for people out there who are seeking health care to seek a primary physician who specializes in men's health, if you're a man, women's health, if you're a woman. If you're lucky enough to find a, an enlightened OBGYN who will act like a primary, and that's how OBGYNs are trained. Right. Now, not everyone wants to do that because they may be early in their career and they want to do more obstetrics, or they may be middle career where they want a blend of both. That's your best option is somebody who's been in practice eight to 10 years, or somebody who's towards the end of their practice where they're doing perhaps GYN or only office consultation. But those OB-GYNs will see usually a woman from the beginning of her career all the way through to menopause. Mm. In guys, you're not having babies, of course, <laughs> but you may find that enlightened family practitioner because you're not seeing somebody like a urologist, a male specialist, until or unless you have a male right. issue. So you have actually fewer options, but again, I would look for an enlightened doc who's been in practice eight to 10 years, or in my case, I was taking care of all of the men of my female patients because they said, doc, I feel so great. Can't you do this for my husband too? Sure, sure, great. bring him in. Let's check his levels too. Wonderful. So exactly. So that's what you're looking for. Okay, great. Great advice throughout. This has been a fascinating conversation with Dr. Victoria Montlock. The name of the book is Blossoming, Becoming a Woman, Discover the Secrets to Balancing Your Hormones and Your Life. She has a follow-up book for when you're 20 years older than that or so, when you're in your 40s. Uh, and it's called Full Bloom, and it helps you deal with the issues of menopause. She's coming out with an interim book that'll cover women between the ages of 20 and 40, and that will be your instruction manual for midlife. And of course, she's coming out with a book as well for men to help them deal with their many issues, many of which for both men and women center upon hormones. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us here today on Spotlight. Thank you. And all of my books are on Amazon. They're on my website. So just put my name in and it should come right up. Awesome. And the, your, your website is called? Victoria J. Monlock, MD.com. Got it. Sounds great. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. My pleasure. To the folks at home, I'm Logan Crawford. Thanking you for your time this time until next time on Spotlight.